0: Pollock trying to steer around, picked off, center, they score! Feather back over to Manny, splits to the defense, he's shot, he scores! on end there with Shillington, wide collision, Vl center and feed, they score!
1: This is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Sharks AHL affiliate, the San Jose Barracuda. Here are your hosts, Nick Nolenberger and Joey Goldstein.
2: Hello Barracuda fans, Nick Nolenberger here, and this is your weekly roundup. After collecting back-to-back wins at home the weekend prior, the Cuda looked to continue their strong play in the final game of a three-game homestand on Saturday afternoon against the Ontario Reign at the SAP Center. Despite outchancing and out-shooting Ontario in the first half of the opening period, it was former Toronto Maple Leaf Carl Grunstrom who opened up the scoring for the Reign in his first game back from reassignment from the LA Kings. Racing for it now, Anderson Dolan.
0: Fist free and an outlet pass opportunity for Grunstrom. Left side scores! Carl Grunstrom, an assignment from the LA Kings just yesterday, beats Joseph Korunas on the short side. And Ontario takes a one-nothing lead on just their fourth shot. And it comes to the 9-18 mark of the
2: opening frame. Grunstrom was acquired in the Jake Buzzin trade last January between LA and Toronto. After the rain opened up the scoring, Nick DeSimone answered as he found the back of the net for
0: the first time this year, less than two minutes later. An assist in those 15 games also played in 13 games in Ontario with a rain at three goals and seven helpers. Here's a shot scored, and we're all even up at 1 1 from the left side. A seeing eye shot from D. Simone. And the Barracuda dry even right off the faceoff. D. Simone led all Barracuda Demon with
2: 14 goals a year ago. Highly touted top pick Tobias Bjornfoot would counter at 13 19 for Ontario as the 18 year old would rip home his first of his pro career. Down to the near left side for Kapari, he'll gain the line 9 and. In- Black for Bjorn.
0: Foot shot scored. Tobias Bjornfoots Foot's going to get his first professional goal as he beats Joseph Kornosh on an ear side, a seeing eye wrister through a sea of traffic in front. And Bjorn Foot's on the board, and
2: Ontario takes back its lead. At the end of the period, Lance Boma will get his second of the year and second against Team Teal as Brett Sutter centered to pass off his shin guard as he crashed the net. Along
0: the left side, hands it off for Sutter. Sutter will center in front and pinballs its way in. Brett Sutter, center it right to the top of the crease. It's off the shin guard of Lance Boma and in an Ontario late in the first period as a 3-1 lead. In the second period, the Barracuda got
2: back within one as former LA King, Ontario, rain forward Johnny Brodzinski potted his second of the season in his first game against his former club. And
0: here comes Bergman down the left wing. Bergman, spinnerama backside, they score! Leon Bergman with a a backdoor pass to the former Ontario Rain forward, Johnny Brodzinski, has won against his former club, and the Barracuda back with it one!
2: Brodzinski was an all star with the Rain in 2017. Unfortunately, after that point, Cal Peterson would shut the door. And the rain would tack on a pair of empty netters late to secure a 5-2 win. This was head coach Roy Sommer following his team's loss.
1: Last time we went in there, we were uh, had kind of a poor first, and we were down 2 nothing. And then tonight, you know, again, got kind of behind the eight ball and down 3-1. Uh, um, especially the first 10 minutes, like we were all over them. You know, they'd come down and score and come down and score, and then the... the one that killed us with 27 seconds left in the third. And, you know, I thought it was kicked in, but then we looked at it and the guy did stop on it. So it was a play we weren't going to get called back. I thought Bergman was a horse. You know, he was on pucks and heavy and, you know, he was first on the four check. And I thought he played a real solid game. Um, yeah, I thought they were our three best players. You know, every time they were out there, they created something. and. Uh, you know, I thought Bergman who made a great play to get the puck over to Broads. You know, kind of a turnaround, crazy play, but it ended up working out. And I mean, gave us a chance to score. I mean, you know, the, the other side of it is they hit uh, they hit four or five posts too, so we were lucky on that that aspect of it. But power play didn't do much tonight. We had a couple looks, but you know, we had a hard time getting in. Our entries weren't very good, um, and. We gave up a power play goal, you know, kind of the game. After the loss, the Barracuda
2: now sit at 2-2 two and two and 6th in the Pacific Division. The Barracuda are not expected to have the services of forwards Johnny Brodzinski and Noah Greger, as well as defenseman Trevor Carrick, as they were recalled up to the Sharks for the big club's road trip. I'm Nick Nolenberger, and that was your San Jose Barracuda Weekly Roundup. Hello and welcome to another edition of Cuda Confidential. Nick Nolenberger here alongside marketing manager Joey Goldstein. Just one game this past weekend, an early start against the Ontario Reign as San Jose falls 5-2 to the Reign in their second meeting on the 12-game season series. But now they can shift their attention to the Colorado Eagles with two games coming up this weekend in Colorado against an Eagles group who sputtered out of the gates but are starting to find their groove, especially with a couple of reassignments from the Colorado Avalanche and always a very tough building to go into and try to pick up points so it should be a good test this upcoming weekend for the Barracuda.
3: Yeah,
4: it's uh I mean, you know, we we saw Colorado in the preseason games and it's it was kind of difficult to to really gauge how what Colorado is going to look like cuz it's preseason a lot of guys who aren't going to be regulars though. I think they're the second of the two preseason ga- preseason games. Uh, was more more along the lines of what you're going to see out of Colorado but they're a pretty decent team I'm pretty sure they're three and three and two as of right now they've played five games uh you know the usual suspects Antoine Bebo's in net for them they got guys who are scoring goals uh are gonna miss AJ Greer it sounds like for for the CUDA games but um, overall it it should be an interesting test I know just talking to some of the guys uh, about places they like to play and places they don't like to play we were driving up to Oakland last week with Manny Weeder and Keaton Middleton and Manny was talking about how he hates playing in Colorado just because the fans there are so loud and it's like they're on top of you in that building is such a unique environment so uh definitely hostile and you know we'll, we'll see how the the Barracuda fare really their first first big test on the road obviously you go down to Ontario for their opening night and that that's a big night but this is your first real uh I guess real road trip of the season so we'll see how things shake out.
2: It'll be interesting who we see this upcoming weekend in between the nets. You mentioned Antoine Bebo. He started the first game of the season. He was yanked in that game. Colorado, they were 0-2 to start the year. They've since reeled off three straight wins, and it's thanks to 22-year-old net miner Adam Warner. They also have Hunter Misca uh, on the roster as well. He's a familiar guy in the Pacific Division, having been a member of the Tucson Roadrunners the last couple of years. But the guy that I don't think anybody probably would have predicted, especially when they made the trade to acquire Antoine Bebo but so far Warner has been the guy we mentioned he is uh 3-0 3-0 and so far this season with the uh, Colorado Eagles. He has been in nets for those three straight victories. He's a guy who played in the America League a couple years ago. A third or rather a fifth round pick of the Avalanche a few seasons ago. But um, big guy at 6'5", 195 pounds. So we'll see if we see him this upcoming weekend. I would expect at least one game and then depending on the result. I think that's a good point from Weeder. though. It is a hostile environment. Smaller building, but they fill it up. Doesn't matter if it's a Monday or a Tuesday, especially weekends. They're going to have uh, a pretty full crowd. They get on on top of you and they're pretty loud throughout the game so always a tough building to play in and a building that was notoriously notoriously known when in the ECHL is one of the toughest buildings to play in in the entire league
4: yeah I mean it's I'm, I'm excited to watch and, and see how things shake out is a big they fit their big team their physical team their fast team um, I don't know we've talked about it so early in the year I don't know really where they where they stack up in the division, I I don't know if on paper they have as much talent as a lot of these other teams, but it, there's no easy game in the American Hockey League. We've said that before. There's there's no such thing as a cakewalk. So um, everything's going to be a challenge, and it'll be a good. Uh, I think I like the way we're playing right now. Obviously, we lost uh, the game against Ontario. I think there were some. It was much better than the game we played in their building a couple of weeks ago. Uh, still a lot of things that need to be worked on and, and sorted out. Uh, but, you know, having Leon Bergman and, and your Tiken down helps us a bit. I think it just gives you a couple more weapons. But uh, overall, I think defensively, you know, you just got to look to be a little bit tighter and, uh, you know, put I think the biggest thing in the Ontario games were when the Barracuda were successful is they were creating traffic in front of Cal Peterson's face. And Cal Peterson's a great goalie. And sometimes with a great goalie, that's what you have to do. You have to get him flustered, and he seems to get pretty flustered when there's a lot of traffic in front of his face. you got to do more of that, and it's going to be the same situation with a, a guy like Antoine Bebo or Misca, those guys who just – the more traffic you create and the more havoc you cause in front of the net, the, the easier it's going to be to put pucks in.
2: Yeah, and the Sharks announced the the recalls just the other day of forwards Johnny Brodzinski, defenseman Trevor Carrick. They had also already recalled Noah Greger, who made his NHL debut against the Buffalo Sabres on Saturday night. The Sharks will be in Buffalo tonight that's a four o'clock puck drop they're in the middle or at least starting off a five-game road trip on the east coast so we don't expect to see those guys that they recalled certainly don't expect to see them this upcoming weekend so it'll be up to you know the guys on the roster you mentioned a Leon Bergman, and Daniel Yurtaykin a guy who played last weekend as well for the Barracuda making his AHL debut so maybe a different looking lineup than what we've seen the first you know three games be more similar to what we saw on Saturday but Um, Should be a good test again to Barracuda. You know, start on the road in Ontario, then play three straight at home. So now going back on the road, haven't done a a ton away from SAP Center. So always uh, an extra dynamic when you're not in the friendly confines of your own building.
4: Yeah, it's uh, but it's road trips would help kind of bring you together, right? Obviously, the the Ontario one was quick, but they went on that camping trip and that kind of tightened up the unit a little bit. I think they played really well and they came back from that trip. This is the first really get-on-the-road be in the hotel and camping is one thing but when you're actually in a hotel with a bed and controlled environment with heat and whatever it may be I think uh I think that'll help a little bit I'm sure they'll go out and do a nice team dinner and you know bond a little bit uh but you know overall it it should be a should be a fun weekend and they're right back into the swing of things next Tuesday with uh, Cuda Classroom Day.
2: Yep. 11 a.m. start against the Bakersfield Condors for our third annual Cuda Classroom Day. Always one of the funnest days I think of the year, especially as part of our promotional schedule. Just the kids are buzzing. Mm -hmm. They're yelling. They're screaming. They're relentless. They don't let up the entire game. Um, So that is always one that you circle on your calendar as one I certainly look forward to. So that'll be right when we get back from Colorado. That'll be that Wednesday after a couple games on the road uh, against the Colorado Eagles. So things starting to roll a little bit. The schedule's starting to pick up slowly, and, but surely. I mean, just the one game this past week, and now two on the road in, in Colorado against the Eagles. Quickly looking at the Pacific Division standing so far, Stockton has really been the darling of the division. They're 5-1. and one. They've got 10 points. It's two more than the second-seeded Tucson Roadrunners. The Roadrunners so far this season, they've played one less game than Stockton. They're 4-1. and one. Then Ontario sits at 3-1-1. One and one. Of course, two of their three wins have come against the Barracuda. They've got seven points. Colorado rounds out the top four they're three and two. Again they started the year 0 and two have since won three in a row. Bakersfield's at the five spot two two and one. They played one additional game to the Barracuda. Then you got San Diego and San Jose, both having played just four games. The Barracuda at 500, 2-2, and and the San Diego goal is really the big surprise so far in the early going of the season. They are winless, 0-4 and and sitting at the seventh spot in the Pacific Division. So many games to come, so much to be decided, and everything will be shaken out as we continue along. But in our short kind of glimpse and uh, precursor on what we maybe should expect in the upcoming season um, you know you got a Stockton team surprising and a San Diego team certainly disappointing
4: yeah uh, I mean it's so obviously Stockton coming out to start the season the way they did is is a surprise given the way they've kind of been the last couple of years but they also have started strong in years past and kind of fizzled out as as the season goes on um, I, I obviously I haven't seen Stockton yet I don't know what their talent looks like compared to to years past, but the one that I think surprised me the most is San Diego, because that team's got a lot of talent on paper, and I I know they're not scoring a lot of goals. I think uh, their goaltending, you know, we, I mean, we won that game, was it 5-1, 5-0? We won that game, 5-1. It could have been a lot, a lot more, but their goaltending kind of kept them in it quite a bit, so um, I don't know if it's, it's just, they're not meshing early, or if, uh, you know if guys maybe are hanging their heads a little bit and, and feeling sorry that they're not up with the big club and and just kind of letting that affect their game but um on paper they're a very talented team so it is kind of a surprise to see where they're at but they're not going to continue on the pace that they're at where they're just not scoring goals eventually they're going to find the back of the net and take advantage of that home ice that uh, the crowd that they have in san diego so uh things will all kind of start to come full circle, but it's so early. You can't really tell. I mean, there's there's teams who have already played seven, eight games in the season. We've only played four, so... Our whole division in general is just uh, its a bit of a, a log jam, and it's going to be like that for a bit, as it is every season.
2: Yeah, and those teams that we mentioned that are sitting at the top of the Pacific so far, the Stocktons and the Tucsons, San Jose will get their first look at those teams at the start of November. They've got Stockton coming into the SAP Center. Rather, they're going out to Stockton. That'll be at the Stockton Arena on November 1st, day off in between, and then they'll welcome in the Tucson Roadrunners on November 3rd. So we'll play all these teams more than enough, we'll get very familiar with one another, but it's just almost a weird scheduling quirk where you don't play Stockton until the second month of the season when mm-hmm. it feels like we played Stockton in the past every other week just because of how many times we're playing these guys. But now, because of the shakeup in the division this year and our schedule, we play a lot of teams 12 times this year, so it won't just be the heat that we played the 12 times. But we'll get our first look at Stockton on November 1st. Again, that'll be out at the Stockton Arena. So two games this upcoming weekend, lots to be... Shaking out over the next couple of weeks as we continue along um, and we expect with the big club and how they kind of are trying to jumble and figure out the forward position especially and then some injuries on the back end we should expect movement to continue over the next few weeks as yeah, they try to find all a consistency season,
4: all season long there's going to be movement right I mean right now you got Johnny Brzezinski and Trevor Carrick up top uh, you still have got Jake Middleton he's on the he's on IR right now but you got Redeem Shimmick and Dalton Prout who are getting close to coming back from injury, and I would imagine when Prout comes back, that's going to bump Carrick out of the lineup. So, I mean, it, I guess it depends on what kind of shape Carrick's in, but potentially Carrick, who could be with us by by Tuesday next week, potentially. Uh, if if not sooner, depending on what happens with Prout. But then when Simmer comes back, then you've got another spot. So is that is that a guy like Ferraro coming down to to spend some time with us? Although I think he's been really good, and then. Uh, you know, Tim Heed could be a guy who maybe gets put on waivers. Uh, you, you never really know what the what the situation is going to be, but the forward position is where we're going to see the most movement. I think when the defense is healthy, it's kind of stable, but the forwards there's there's so many guys who are on the verge of cracking the lineup. You look at a guy like Noah Gregor, who was phenomenal in his first three games, so he got the call. You know, you get a guy like Ivan Djokovic or Sasha Shemlevsky or Alexander True who could go on a tear and they could be the next guy to get called up. That's just going to be like that all season long, I think. It's the the value of having depth in the organization.
2: It'll be interesting if Carrick doesn't play during this road trip, and hypothetically, let's say he's sent back to the AHL early next week, and he plays on that Wednesday game, that early game. He hasn't played in actual game action since October 10th in Chicago. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a long, it's it 20 long days that he hadn't would not be in a, in a lineup playing games. So he, he was joking about it in the locker room, about a week ago that he felt rusty and needed to get his legs mm-hmm. under him and get some game action, you know, whether it was the, with the Barracuda or up top of the NHL club. So that'll be kind of an interesting note to keep um, our eyes on. Um, that kind of rounds it up for our, our weekly, you know, roundup, our look back, or look ahead. Um, so without further ado, we'll welcome in a guest here on Cuda Confidential. So we'll welcome in our guest, Manny Weeder on Cuda Confidential. Manny, thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Let's start off, I mean, this has been a long, arduous process for you after your knee injury last year. Um, you went through a long offseason, played in a preseason game, scored a couple goals. I'm sure that was a memorable moment for you. But now you're back, you're fully healthy, and you're down here in the American Hockey League hoping to tr- contribute in your third year of pro hockey. Just walk us through, you know, the whole process to get back to
3: 100%. Yeah, obviously it's been a long, long road since surgery. It was a tough tough news when I got it last year that I needed knee surgery and with that I knew right away like my season was over but then a couple of days after you realize like there's nothing you can do about it then just go with it and work as hard as you can to get back and then yeah surgery was good knee got better over time and then, I was pretty I was almost ready for training camp but then played in Calgary my first game in seven months scored two goals which was great feeling first game but then had a little setback and couldn't skate for two weeks, but now I'm back, I feel like, to 100%, and pretty excited to get the more games coming in for the Barracuda and get to play more. What was,
4: uh, I guess, what was your offseason like? Obviously, you're not able to, I guess you don't really have a normal offseason and you're coming off a knee surgery, right? So what, what were you doing to kind of, aside from the normal rehab, to get back into game shape when you can't really be at 100%?
3: Yeah, I think it's I think it's the biggest thing with injuries. People don't realize when you have a major injury, like it doesn't just affect your hockey um, side of life, but you also you can't just go run or like play sports with your friends. It it affects you big time. But I think I handled it pretty well. Just doing other stuff where I needed to catch up or get better. A lot of stretching, try to starting yoga stuff. Start, like you can always improve and work on little things. And I think even like I started to read a lot. Like Worked a lot of my mental part of the game, and I think I think that's why I feel better than ever now. Just I uh, had a lot of time to catch up on a lot of things, and you kind of realize how much goes into it. It's not just the gym and on the ice. There's so much more going into it. And I think that even though it was a I wouldn't I wouldn't call it a setback my knee injury, but it was it was a setback in my career. But I think on the other side, it also helped me a lot.
4: Do you ever do you feel like it all like? Obviously, you guys come off a knee injury. Sometimes you may feel like you lose this. Do you feel like you you maybe lost a step speed-wise, or do you feel like it's kind of almost... You feel like you might be in a better situation than you were before?
3: Um, for me, I think I... Like, right now, I feel better than I ever did, but it's just the overall, like, when I'm on the ice, like, my knee feels good. There's never, like, really a thought about my knee. It's just... Yeah, it's just where I play, like, what I do is not... I think once you would start... Um, think about night about your need that's when you would like you're not at 100 yet i think right
2: i gotta ask you this question you're you're a massive pittsburgh steelers fan you're you're a german-born kid who played junior hockey in the quebec league you weren't even in the united states and you're as big of a football fan american football fan as i know and i'm a huge one myself so just how did you become a steelers fan how did you fall in love with the game how did you begin to understand the game just walk us through that process
3: i think it started when i was 17 i play pro in Germany and we always we played Friday Sunday and my whole team was Canadian American guys like 30 year old guys like older guys and we always Sunday after the games we always went to a bar or like an Irish pub and there's always football going on because Sunday and the time change, and that's how I got into it and for always when I was a little kid I was always um, Pittsburgh Penguins fan like that was my favorite team when I was young and then once I got into football it's just kind of stuck with the pittsburgh steelers and then just kind of took off and fought more and more and got into football more and more and since then it's just kind of always been the steelers they
2: have a couple games in the nfl each year now over in europe could you envision an nfl team being over there at a full-time base i know they've talked about it that travel is the biggest issue but could you imagine a team being over there And do you think you know they would support a team over there
3: I I personally could see it happen, but it's always there's so much stuff going into it. So it's I think it's going to be interesting what's going to happen. But I think it is a possibility with their schedule and their travel overall. But it's going to be a lot of things to get decided.
4: What uh I guess well, let's get your thoughts on the season here a little bit. I mean the the Steelers <laughs> are two and four. Got lots of injury problems. You know it was a, a crazy off season with antonio brown saga and then levion bell like what are your what are your thoughts of the steelers fan what do you think what's got to change what's got to go how do we get this ship righted you know
3: i think it's still like it's been a tough start a lot of stuff happening off season but i think they're still it's i think they're never out of it like it's all about i think it's a little up to baltimore now like you need them to lose a little bit but if you somehow win the division, you never know. It's a long season. You're in the playoffs, and then you never know what's happening.
2: I know a lot of the guys like to, at least a year or so ago, Fortnite was all the craze. Do you play video games, and when you do, do you play Madden, and is it always the Steelers that you're playing with?
3: No, I don't even uh, own a console. <laughs> I'm I'm probably the worst gamer you could find. I, I used to play FIFA or NHL when I was younger, but never liked the online stuff, and I don't know, I just... I think it wouldn't hurt sometimes just to get your mind off things and like I play once in a while like with friends or stuff, but I don't. I'm not like the the gamer or, like like a lot of other guys game a lot, but I'm just not. I don't know. What do
2: you do uh, away from the rink for fun?
3: Just like try to always get more in my golfing game better. Like I'm not the greatest golf yet, but the more you play, the better you get, and I think that's the more fun it gets. I any kind of sports like a fall like baseball right now. I'm. Not a huge, huge baseball fan, but as soon as playoffs starts, I think it's like every game is pretty electric. So, yeah, pretty into sports and just taking care of the body, like enjoying the Bay Area. I think the Barracuda are pretty lucky, like you're in a good spot for the HL. Like I think there's not a lot of better places like you got San Francisco, Santa Cruz, like all those kind of things, like good weather. So you should kind of enjoy that too. And like when you're outside the rink, like enjoy, enjoy your off time we
4: uh so last week you me keaton middleton went up to oakland to hang out with the the bears and you and keaton are our roommates we talked a little bit about how he's not a huge football guy he's just kind of come into it because he's he's living with you like what kind of how is the dynamic with you two as roommates i know last year he lived with uh he lived with jersey and woody and you live with with rourke like what's it been like so far with you two as roommates
3: i think it's been great i think we get along really well we complement each other pretty well like everyone's pretty open-minded like every, and both are open for idea ideas and we split everything like I think it's so far it's kind of perfect and yeah we whenever football on we watch football but I think he likes it a lot too and the more we watch like he wants to watch it he gets into it more and to becoming a Steelers fan like you um a little bit he's he's too putting bad. on a hat sometimes, but <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah he's probably got him pretty uh pretty brainwashed at this point yeah
4: well I mean uh, for the people who don't know, Manny left his car over the summer with uh, <laughs> with Mike Murphy, who, like myself, is a big Patriots fan. I had a quote manager. Yep, and uh, I, uh, Manny came back at the uh, for for training camp, and uh, I guess well, why don't you explain what happened?
3: So I came back in mid-August, and every summer I leave my car to Mike Murphy. It kind of works out perfectly. He can use it, and I don't have to store it somewhere. And I came back and yeah, I walked. Murph gave me the keys, like, I can take the car home. And I walked to my car, and there was with stuff all over, like, license plate, like, stickers, seat covers, steering wheel. So I like, think I was pretty rattled, but it was, I had to give it to them because it was, it was pretty funny. It was, it was a pretty good one. Yeah.
4: And then, and then, so you took all the stuff out of your car, and then you tried to hold it as ransom with me and Murph. Uh, and you, you tried to, to wager. Opening night with the Patriots-Steelers where if uh, if the Steelers won, we had to get you lunch from literally anywhere you wanted. It could have been a really fancy steakhouse. And, and if we won, we would get our stuff back. And uh, Patriots won that game. We still have not gotten that <laughs> stuff back yet.
3: We still have not gotten it back yet. Yeah. You got to bring that back. I know, but. I was going to say, if you
2: it. hadn't made a bet, it, I mean, it was essentially his you yeah. were giving it to him no. as a gift.
4: Well, yeah, well, we weren't expecting to get it back until he offered it. Mm. And then, uh. And then the Steelers lost, naturally. So, you know, trying yeah. to... Do you just notice the, the
2: tone in his voice? That is the tone oh, yeah. of a team that's 7-0 and oh, that has all these Super Bowl wins. I mean, these Boston guys just yeah. don't know and what you, life you notice, is like.
4: You notice Nick's staying relatively quiet, too, because the Browns no. haven't been too hot either. I know. <laughs> but that's fine. I, I
3: think we and Nick get it. Like, Boston people, they don't realize how spoiled they are. So, Oh, no, no.
2: I get it. I totally get it, but to, to have a counter argument too, I don't know if Steelers fans know how it's spoiled you guys are too. I think Steelers have the most Super Bowls of all time. I think they're tied, tied with the with the is it the Forty ers or the Patriots? Six, Patriots. Six, Goodness yeah. gracious, yeah. Gosh, I just want to make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> So thank you to Manny Whittier for joining us on CUDA Confidential, our first guest of the 2019-20 season. and Couldn't have a better one on. We're going to split this interview into two. So we'll have the first part going out this week, and then we'll finish up the remainder of the interview we'll have for you next week on next Tuesday's edition of CUDA Confidential. But as always, Joey, Manny, a great great interview, great energy. and, And we touched on it right at the end with him earning an A well-deserved at this point in his career. I mean, he really is a leader in the locker room, brings such good, you know, positive kind of energy on a day-to-day basis, and happy to see him healthy, and happy to see him be rewarded in that kind of way.
4: Yeah, I think it's, I mean, there's a lot of guys, we've talked about it, there's a lot of these guys come from strong backgrounds with leadership pedigrees, and lots of guys are worthy of it. I mean, you see it, you look at Two of the guys that were given A's at the beginning of the year, Trevor Carrick and Jake Middleton, have been up with the Sharks mostly. So you've got other guys who are kind of filling in wearing the A. Nick Simone is a great example of that, who wasn't on that original list, but he's going to be a guy who wears a letter throughout the year because of the way injuries and call-ups work, right? So, uh, but definitely, you know, great for, for Manny to, to have that. I mean, I don't know what their – what the decision process is. I don't know if that's a coach's decision, if it's something that the, the guys in the locker room choose. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, – Obviously, well deserved, and he's one of the one of the veterans here now, with having been here, coming into his third year. So uh, he plays an important piece for us, and when he's not in the lineup, it, it you feel that. So uh, happy for him, and he's you know on the ice, he's great. Off the ice, he's even better. I mean he's a guy who we can rely on to always do things in the community. I mean, he's come before and he's said, you know, hey, practice ends. He he's not one of those guys who goes home and plays video games and he'll golf every now and then, but he's got the free time and he, he wants to go out and, and make his presence known, help the Barracuda grow and, and, you know, help create some buzz around the team and, and help his own personal brand too. I think that's what every guy wants. So
2: yeah.
4: uh, he's been great.
2: He has been great. And so just a reminder of fans, if you do see Manny in public, you can shame the Steelers. I am perfectly okay with that. Yeah, so, that's yes.
4: of course. Yeah, yes. I mean, that's fine with me too. And uh, sending those Halloween costume ideas, I guess he's looking for some. Yeah. So, if if you got anything that may be funny for him and Keats and potentially Truzy and Blitzy to, to take advantage of here, I, I think they'd be, be okay with some ideas. We're so running out of
2: time. I know the part. are running out know, of time. Third, we got to get on it. Um, but good stuff. Again, thank you to Manny Wieter. We'll have the second half of the interview coming next week. A reminder for the upcoming games this weekend, we will be in Colorado That's Central Time, meaning that the games will start at 6.05 out here on the West Coast, meaning we'll have our pregame show on the radio beginning at 5.50 for both games. Again, a 6.05 puck drop as we'll be out in Colorado at the Budweiser Event Center for a pair of games against the Avalanche affiliate the Colorado Eagles. Should be a big test, a good one this upcoming week, and always Fun to go into that hostile building and hopefully we can come back with a few points and then we'll gear up for our school day game on wednesday and we'll have a cuda confidential coming that tuesday but for now we thank everybody for tuning in we'll talk to you a week from now see you go cuda